Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Off The Beaten Track Podcast. How you doing? It's another week. It's another episode. And today's episode is with Adam Perry. Adam Perry of the Blood Ant Gang, Adam Perry of A, Adam Perry of Bloody Nice Bloke. So Adam come to my house and we sat in the kitchen and we chewed the fat. We uh, we went in on it and as you're about to hear, it was a cracking chat. Um, before we get on with it, I'd like to thank uh, 76 for producing this. Thanks to everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network. Um, if you're out and about and you love your podcast and you're in London, try and pick up a copy of Pod Bible Magazine. Other than that, you can view it online, which is www.podbiblemag.com. It's the essential guide to podcasting and it's the new magazine owned by me, Scroobius Pip. And my name is Ad, who does all the artwork for lots of the Distraction Pieces Network podcasts. So uh, it's another little offshoot of this little family of of mates and podcasters and, yeah, all part of the Distraction Pieces gang. Right. Also, if you enjoyed this episode and you want some more Off The Beaten Track podcasting, go and have a look in the back catalogue because not only have we got Adam's episode on there, we've got um, Adam's brother Jason is on there as well. And uh, obviously Jason, the front man of A. Um, Jason's on there with a cracking episode, so go and listen to that. Um... Adam's former bandmate and now Radio 1 DJ, Dan P. Carter, has an episode with him on there, and loads of other rock and roll stars, DJs, producers, actors, comedians, all creative types, all telling their story via a nice playlist of records. Um, that's me done. Enjoy the episode of the Beat and Trap podcast with Adam Perry. I've got an announcement. Save Our Souls Clothing www.sosclothing.co.uk Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year. And they're based in South End on Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music. And they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable, and water based inks. And in addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done is they've given you 15% off. So if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code BEAT15, B-E-A-T-1-5, and that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk. 
official sponsors of Off The Beaten Track podcast. Let's get back to that podcast. It's Off The Beaten Track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Keep me, Stu Whipping. Right, we are recording. It's a Tuesday, is it? Yeah, it's a Tuesday afternoon and I'm sitting in the kitchen and today I'm joined by Adam Perry. Good to be here. Yeah, you're right. It's an overcast Tuesday, but it looks like spring may spring. Yep. Tomorrow, yeah, my wife's birthday tomorrow, so it's the first day of spring. She always reminds me. What are so you today doing? is the last day of winter. Doing anything good? Um, it sounds really rock and roll. We're going to um, the Dior afternoon tea at the Berkeley. That's pretty posh. <laughs> yeah, we like afternoon teas. Yeah. But yeah, and, and Helen likes a bit of fashion, so we might, yeah, we're going to do that. Nice. Because, yeah, we've got ballet runners in the evening, so we can't go out. <laughs> Um, yeah. Thanks for coming over. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, uh, we've already spent about an hour just having a chin <laughs> wag about partridge. Actually, yeah, and, that was it. Uh, that was a podcast. It, it pretty much <laughs> was, and uh, and it was very much exactly the same when your brother come over as well. Uh, um, <laughs> but yeah, so we'll get into it. Um, have, right. I, have I chose all the same songs as Jason? Uh, I hope not. I think there's one. Oh, that, that's not bad. Out seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Maybe two. <laughs> oh, here we go. Uh, uh, all right. Well, look, track one, uh, Addy's the song with the greatest intro. Yeah. Enter Sandman. Uh, uh, do you know what? I was, I was going to... What's that song? I don't want controller by Teenage Fan Club. Right. It's got a yep. banjo thing mm-hmm. before it. I was going to choose that because I love that intro because when the song comes in, yeah. the intro makes sense. Cause what that, track is that? It's not only direction, is it? No, it's called Control of You. It's on songs from Northern Britain. Right. It's got what it's called. Okay. I love it. It's really like these three Beach Boys, Birds type. Yeah. Proper teenage fan club. And one of them lives in Leon C, where you live now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, mm. Yeah. So um, I was going to choose that, but I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I chose. You can have some honorable mentions, mate. That's cool. I cho- uh, yeah, I chose um, Enter Sandman because I've been trying to teach my kids about the rock chug and that first. Yeah, and like you know, the first kind of thing where you can pull the headstock of the guitar back, yeah, just go, and I just when I'm stuck in the dishwasher at home, I'm just constantly trying to tell my 15 year old how cool that movie is when he first does that, yeah. And then we went to see Bo Rap, and I was showing her, she's got me, well, both my kids got me into Queen. And I, and I was, I was like, oh, when we get home, I'm going to A-B it to the original footage just to show you how good the Live Aid scene on Borat yeah. was. Like, even down to the old Pepsi logo, even down to the white gaffer taped square above those three um, traffic light um, lights on the front yeah. of the stage, even down to the yellow flight case, which is upside down, yeah. and, um, and all that stuff. So I went home and showed her that, and... Um, Oh, bloody hell, we shouldn't say bloody hell. Yeah. Kids want to say that, would they? Yeah. Um, she went, oh, that's amazing. And then, oh, while we're here, speaking of Wembley Stadium, I've just got to show you this clip of Metallica coming on stage at the Freddie Mercury. Mercury yeah, yeah. And, and at that point, I was boring and rigid about how rock music was becoming so boring. I think Extreme came on after them. Yeah. And that, and that was it. It just showed the gulf and what had happened. Yeah. And where rock music was heading and where, where, where its path was. Yeah. Like hair metal and stuff, yeah. which I love. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love it even more now looking back in irony, but I still loved it at the time. But they come on and just, they just own it. And there's, there's a locked off camera from above their heads. So you see this empty stage and you see the Wembley crowd, like a fisheye looking out of the, from above the drum riser. And they just come on and Lars Ulrich, large oil rig just sits on his, Thrown and just starts going doom, 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 and hits that first china, yeah. And Hetfield just goes like that and just pulls the guitar back. And you think, fucking hell, yeah, this is it. And then just goes and it goes into the riff, yeah. And um, you just cannot believe what you're seeing. And there's 100,000 people just going up and down. You think, that's it, Metallica are now the biggest band on earth, and um. I mean, they must have played that song a thousand, thousands and thousands of times, but yeah. I, I, they can't have ever played it as good as that gig. <laughs> it looks stunning. You're yeah. a proper Metallica fan? No. I love them. I go see them live. Yeah. And I, I, I've got a little Metallica playlist that I, that I play when I'm stuck in the dishwasher. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're not my favourite band. Yeah. But they've got some amazing songs. I think they're, I think they're incredible. Yeah. 
Uh, I, don't, I don't get them. I no, just don't I like, get it. I like the pop. I, I mean, I think all their records, well, all their record, early records don't sound great. Yeah. So it doesn't do them much justice. But you can really, some of the riffs and stuff. I mean, we, we saw them a couple of years. Me and Jay saw them a year and a half ago in Birmingham and the PA Blue halfway through the gig. That was amazing. Uh, and, um, yeah, and, and they, 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 I can't remember what song they came on to, but it was unbelievable. And yeah, I, re- I really get, I really love, now they've got, I love it when bands get older. Yeah. And, and, and there's the sort of family element of them come out and they just, they've got this guarded community that they, yeah. they keep sacred yeah. and they're great at all that. Yeah. And, um, and I, yeah, I mean, I think they've written some incredible stuff, but I don't listen to them like yeah. daily. Yeah. But um, if I do, it's all the big hits. I never really get in, yeah. into into all the album stuff. I mean, the, the documentary blew my mind. Yeah. Like, the, the that... way you control. <laughs> what you fucking control. It's so good. It's, it's amazing. It's so good. And yeah, our bands can lose their way completely. Yeah. Like, yeah. And our front-manning bands can think it's all right to go hunting for bears on your daughter's yeah. birthday, you know, instead of being at home. And, yeah, it's nuts, isn't it? Base, yeah, and the flight cases, white flight cases. Like every time we've played a festival where Metallica are playing, um, and we've done we've done quite a few gigs where they we'd be on the same bill. Yeah, um, it just I love flight cases. Yeah, like me and Jason got this thing that we've got a proper flight case fetish, um, and with A we had this huge lockup with as many flight cases we could buy in it. Um, we flight case anything, hair dryers, you know, <laughs> felt tip pens. He's- they got white ones. Have you recently been in LA and took a photo of a shop that sells flight cases? Um, no, Jason probably has. I'm sure yeah. it was either you, your brother, put this picture up and it just looked like boxes. Yeah, it might have been Jason. I mean, we've just, I've always, I mean, always been obsessed with them. My mum and dad bought me a flight case once for my 17th birthday <laughs> from an old band called FM, with like a hair. Yeah, of course. Yeah, metal, hair, pop rock. Um, yeah. I, AOR band from UK which I used to like um, yeah and it's a bass amp and I don't play bass yeah just because it's a flight case it's like, I unwrapped it and it's a bass amp it's like case so what, what's this for like, well, we know you like flight cases so what am I going to do with that but it's not just it's not just flight cases is it I know when I, um, this is the second time we've met right yeah and then the first time we met for some lunch and I've met your brother he'd been around and done the, um, the, the the podcast and he said oh we'll, we'll meet you in Lakeside and yeah. uh, and I was coming down the escalator where I was meeting Jason, and he had a full delivery outfit That's on. That's a delivery day, isn't it? Yeah. And the backpack. Yeah, he got it's amazing. And I just thought this is strange, like because yeah. I just thought he's outside all of them restaurants. Is he, he trying to earn a few quid working yeah. like, delivering food? <laughs> and I didn't know how to sort of approach thing. He was like, "Fucking check this out," and I was like, "Yeah, you look great, man." And he was like, "Yeah, I've just bought it," and I was like. All right, and he was saying, I'm going to wear it on stage, and then I just thought, yeah, that's fucking great. It's amazing. His first reaction is, this is strange, whereas mine was, I'm so jealous. And, <laughs> that's and, the first and, thing you said, because yeah. you walked in and he was wearing it. That's the so first thing you wear. And I don't know, I still don't know why I'm jealous of it, but it's something about the, the weight. Oh, wicked. The, yeah, the weight for us is, it's yeah. sort of, it feels like technical wear. Yeah. Then the box, obviously, the box looks great. The logo's amazing. Yeah. And that tour was brilliant because he, he um, I think Cardiff. Just for walking. if you've not listened to the Jason episode, I should also point out now that um, Adam's a drummer in A. Yeah. And so that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the band A. We should point that out. Yeah, we should point that out. Yeah, yeah. we just did a tour in November. And, yeah. and we, Jason dresses as a delivery driver for the whole gig. And then um, the whole tour. And the, in Bristol, I think, two of the local crew, because like, the way touring generally works is like, these local crew obviously to load in and then they let them go. Yep. And then they come back for loadout. So t- it looks like two of the local crew were d- delivery drivers. So they came back for the last song. We're playing nothing in, in Bristol. Yeah. And, um, and they're sort of stood on the side of the stage, <laughs> ready, ready to go with the takedown. <laughs> Why is Jess addressed as a delivery driver? And they've got, they've got the delivery driver stuff off. Yeah. You know, they've just been doing it. Yeah. And, um, and then Cardiff, the next night, as we walk into the stage um, with like, two security guards, one of them just jumped on Jason and pushed him out of the way. He's like, oi! Get off thinking he's a delivery driver trying to get stage. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was good. And then we, we got to Shepherd's Bush, um, which is the last gig, Shepherd's yeah. Bush Empire. I think Jay thought, right, I'll throw it in the crowd. Yeah. I'll put, I'll, I'll put the, the, um, the coat inside the bag, lob the bag into the crowd. Um, and unfortunately, it had our guitar tech denim jacket in it that he's had for 20 years. 
And he, it's like he's, he's saying he just can't let it go. Yeah. So he, he just put it in Jason's delivery bag, thinking it's going to go back up to the dressing room, just be safe. And he's launched it in the crowd. He launched in the crowd, and then afterwards, um, Trigger, guitar tech's like, Where the, where's my, my denim jacket? I can't find it anywhere. He's like losing his mind. And then the guy that bought it in the crowd was my daughter's teacher at school and some of the dads from school wanted to come and see A. Yeah. So they all came and I said, uh, just come to Shepherd's Bush, I'll put you on the guest list. Yeah. You can come back on the tour bus because it's tipping us back in Leon C. Yeah. Before it makes its way to wherever. Yeah. Um, so they thought, oh, great, uh, that'd be cool. So um, they came up to the dressing room afterwards <laughs> to, to hang out until we get on the bus. And yeah. um, and one of them's got Jason's delivery bags. Have all the people in the in the audience. Fuck. This uh, a teacher of my daughter's caught it. We loved it in the crowd, and then opened it, and it had Triggs denim jacket. No way. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Can't even get rid of the thing. It's still in our lockup. Superb. Yeah. I've just got nothing to do with Metallica or yeah. intros. Doesn't but, matter. Yeah. Doesn't matter. This is how this podcast rolls. <laughs> so, as a as a musician, um, and as a as a curator of. of Festivals and events. Yeah. Um, intros. Yeah. Right? How have you seen the way that people maybe f- the way that the industry is is now approaching songwriting and getting people from the off yeah. hooked? Have you seen that change from your experience of being in bands for for you know many years now? Yeah. Um, I think well, yeah, songwriting becomes a lot more. Uh, con- not contrived, but it's a lot more formulaic, isn't it? But um, do you think for just pop, or do you just think in general? I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe for rock music as well. I don't know. I mean, obviously, sort of EDM and dance music, music and stuff is very formulaic. It has a certain formula, and intros are massive in dance music to kind of whip you up to a you know a certain frenzy, and yep. then drop you back down again. Mm-hmm. Um, Certainly for singles and stuff that's going to be on the radio, you haven't got much time, have you? Yeah. Like, you've got to get into it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they are important. I mean, Jane's Addiction used to be the kings of it to me. Yeah. Like, the kings of intros. Yeah. And I was listening to Sonic Temple by... Um, I'm not a massive fan of the cult, but I love the album. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it, you know, I want to say go home and put the cult on. Yeah. But the way that, um, that first song on that album, Sonic Temple, begins with that big intro that builds, yeah. that's amazing. They, they, they've got the place, definitely. But to set a scene, <clears throat> she's so sanctuary could be one of the greatest intros ever. Yeah, well, it's just, very much like Teenage Fan Club, the one I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah, just that yeah. jangle and yeah. then that snare, and it's <laughs> like, fuck, yeah. And I'll tell you what, that's an amazing song, isn't it? How old's that? That's got to be that is, that is your youth club when you're set. Well, that's. I reckon, that's, I, now, I reckon that's 86 so. or 87, probably 87. Yeah, as I say, I was 49. I'm 49 now, so when I was 17, 16 at school, that was on the jukebox uh, youth club, and it was all everyone played. If that come out tomorrow, it'd sound as fresh as a fucking daisy. Yeah. It does, there's just some records that a lot of the cult stuff, I think, does sound of its time. Yeah. That doesn't. It's just, there's something about that record that just oh, sounds... unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Like it's a snare. Yeah. And then into the chorus. So good. His yeah, voice is ridiculous as well. Yeah, it's super cool. Can you remember, yeah. like, I think it must have been about early 90s, maybe mid-90s, he fronted the doors, didn't he, in Asbury? Yeah. Like, they, right. they kind of, the rest of the remaining members kind yeah. of went out. And, and when they said, oh, yeah, he's going to do it, I thought, do you know what? He'll fucking smash that. Oh, yeah. He can do that. I mean, we, we just uh, we had a weird meeting in uh, in LA last. Me and Jason were in LA last week. We had one of these big Hollywood mogul meetings with um, a bloke who was uh, from Brooklyn. who's in his eighties, and um, and we asked him how he got into the business. He was like, "Yeah, my daughter was dating James Morrison, so Jim Morrison would come over. And I think it was this kid, this drug dealing kid, like, and, and um, yeah, it's unbelievable. Imagine your daughter bringing him Jim Morrison." <laughs> Fucking yeah. hell. What do you do for a living? Uh, I'm in this little crappy band you've never heard yeah. of. And goes, and it just exploded for him. Um, but yeah, she was with him for a long time. I don't know what, he, what her name was. Um, I might have to go and Google it. Yeah. But yeah, it's a great story. It's like, wow, Fucking that's hell. good. Yeah, and then his Michael Jackson stories were incredible as well. So he was a promoter of Michael Jackson. So, uh, yeah. He's not going to be short of a story, is he? He was, he, he, he had... Um, he had loads of analogies and stories to tell us. And then he phoned me. I was in LA all week. He phoned me every day to check in to see how things were going. And I just kept saying, what do you need from us? Like, what, why are you doing this? So like, I just want someone to talk to. It's relevant. Like, we've picked the wrong... <laughs> you've picked the wrong two people with me and Jason. <laughs> <laughs> 
But um, yeah, he just wants a meal every now and again, like someone just buy him lunch and just chat. But yeah. he's so super smart. But he was saying about Jackson, he's, he's an, um, I'm, not, I'm not sure if he's seen the documentary or if he knows the rumours. Yeah. <laughs> but um, he was saying he booked that tour that did four nights at Wembley Stadium. So it must have been 1990 or whatever. Dangerous. Yeah, because I remember Chris, because me and Jason used to live in Wembley when we first moved to London and we used to go to Wembley Stadium all the time and just get into gigs from touts. Mm. I remember saying to this tout, it's one of my favourite lines ever. Um, Sorry, mate, what time is Michael Jackson on? He went, um, Jackson's on at nine, Chris Cross on at eight. Sorry, Jackson, like I knew him. It's like, yeah, Jackson's on at nine. (laughs) He took it out. saying Jackson like you know him. Jackson's on at nine, Chris Cross on at eight. I was like, all right, we won't won't go. And it was like 10 quid to get in and we were on the Dell, so he didn't bother. Yeah. And, um... But yeah, he, promote, he promoted that tour. And he told me that he started with, um, he goes, um, I had nothing. So he sat in front of Michael. I won't do the accent. It just sounds like somebody from Leeds. Yep. He goes, uh, sat in front of Michael. And we said to Michael, um, we'll do the world tour. We'll give you 100 million. So of course, he snapped his hand off. 100 million in 1989 or whatever yeah. it was, 1990. It must have been incredible. Still is now. And um, so he said, I, I offered him a million, million quid a show. And, um, and... I didn't have the million pounds for the US show. So I got on the phone to 99 other schmucks around the world and I sold them Michael Jackson for a million pound a show plus 10%. And then after a week of doing phone calls, that 10% made up my million that I needed to buy Michael Jackson's show in the first place. What did I do? I didn't even leave the sofa. And now I'm a promoter. And that's how he started. Oh, that's, yeah. that's proper promoting that. Yeah, it's is. amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway. Track two, mate. Yeah. The first song that you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you? Oh, yeah. I think I... I, I think I... This is difficult because we, we were brought up listening to the Beatles and the Mamas and Papas and the Hollies. And my mum and dad used to play music constantly. And classical gas. I can't remember who wrote that song. And we had this old record player in the living room and it was constantly on. And my mum and dad were constantly singing. So music was a massive part of us growing up. Where was this? In Leeds. Right. Um, and then, then we got into like rock music and Rush and stuff and my mum and dad got into whatever we were into and they came to all the shows we went yep. to. So they came to see Rush and David Roth and Van Halen yep. and it Bites and Jesus Jones. 16 and, minutes for the first mention of Rush. Yeah, you go, not bad. <laughs> not bad. <laughs> and um, uh, yeah, that's, yeah, I feel bad. That should have been eight minutes. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Yeah, and, um, uh, yeah, so there was loads of good music on and, and I remember... Listen to Help, thinking Help was amazing by the Beatles. But I suppose Yesterday was the first song that I thought, well, even now, you just think this is just, the, in my opinion, one of the best written songs of all time. Like, you know, three minutes of just pure emotion. It's incredible. It emotionally impacted you how? How did it make you feel? Reflective, even at an early age. Like, yeah. wow, this is how people, this is how grown-ups feel about yeah. wasting time or wasting relationships. Reflect is a fucking great word to describe that, isn't it? Yeah. It's really perfect. Yeah, it's, an, it's incredible. Yeah. It really is. Yeah, so that was it. That was the first song that had a real a massive emotional connection. And then a lot of those Beatles songs um, did as well. I love the Beatles. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, uh, and then Mamas and Papas, uh, and then California Dreaming. I, had a, I, I love California. I love the West Coast of America. And I, I think I've been obsessed with it since that, hearing that song when yeah. I was probably nine. I, I, I'm exactly the same with Mamas and Papas. It just it it sounds like I can picture it when I hear it. Yeah, and yeah. like and there's just there's something on Monday morning, which is one of my favourite ever vocals ever. And there's just a little bit where I don't know if it's John Phillips singing, and it's the last kind of lead up to the last chorus. And he's like, have you had an And he goes, the day we get high, And he just takes it a little bit yeah. higher. And his voice cracks as he does it. And it's just That's a amazing. tiny little bit of a vocal that probably doesn't really do a lot for anyone else. But it's just that on that song. That song is so well written. It's so good. And, and the, um, the bit where the kid, everybody's crying all the time. He goes into key change in that line. That's it. Yeah. That's it. It's incredible. The song's amazing. Yeah. And, and I remember just looking at the cover and... And it just looks, everything looks sun-kissed and like, yeah. and, and Michelle looks just like the ultimate California girl. Yeah, do you know totally. what I mean? Yeah. Just drop dead gorgeous. And uh, yeah, and then you've just got, I mean, at the time I remember just thinking like, 
you know, what, like, just being a, like really transfixed on Mama Cass, just thinking, what, what, Mama Cass is a great name. Great name. Yeah. And like, you're you're going to have stories if you call Mama Cass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Oh, what a band. Yeah, what a absolutely band. amazing. So yeah. when you was listening to music at home, so there's music on all the time at home. Yeah. Like even before, you know, you and your brother are out buying records and stuff mm-hmm. like that. When you was listening to music, um, was you already sort of deconstructing it and working out how songs are put together and, and picking probably, bits yeah, out of Jason it? Jason probably was more than I more than I was because he's always been into that production side of it. Yeah. But we, yeah, we started playing music together when we were 11, so I started playing drums. We had a band called The Deadbeats. Good name. Don't look for them, they're not there anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. rubbish. We did one gig... Um, I remember we did one gig in a school hall and... Um, and we halfway through this song, we did it. We did a, a like a keyboard solo from the from that Darth Vader's Death March. I remember one of the teachers telling us we were going to get sued um, because he put, <laughs> and I was shitting myself. I was shitting myself. You know, and that was your first gig. Yeah. Oh, what? Why did you spoil your like, first gig? <laughs> I was like, well, how are we going to get sued? And I just had this. You know, vision of people turning up on our doorstep and taking Stone it away. Troopers. Yeah, <laughs> for, for putting the death march by whoever wrote that song originally in, in, into some little crappy oh, song. Amazing. Yeah, and um, so yeah, and um, <laughs> but we were just so into the jam at that point. Yeah, all our songs just sounded like the jam. Yeah, you know, and um, but you know, it's obviously a great place to start. Yeah, well, talking, talking about songwriting. That's good because we're talking yeah. school. So let's let's get on a track three, which is a song that reminds you of school. Well, there's loads and. Um, you can throw them all out there, mate. Yeah, because when, when I think about school, I, um, when you answer that question, I think about school discos. Yeah. I don't know why. So junior school or senior school? We had we had the American system in Leeds, so we had we had primary school, middle and high. That's right, yeah. yeah. So um, it didn't sound quite as glamorous as someone saying, hey, I got to Rhinel High. It was yeah. like, you know, Greenall Middle School. <laughs> then, then me and Jason went to the worst school in, in, in England. And like, I don't know how many years later, I was reading the front page of The Guardian, and it was like, worst school in England to close... And it was our school, Benjamin Gott. Wow. So we were the only kids in our Listed class. in Leeds. In Leeds, yeah, that didn't glue sniff yeah. in class. Everyone glue sniffed. This, the Do you reckon new... you're the only person that went to that school that reads The Guardian as well? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> never, heard, never heard of The Guardian. <laughs> only the front page. I don't, I don't get involved in... You know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, <laughs> imagine we are. Uh, and um, But we'd not gone there yet. We were still at middle school. And the middle school was ace. And they let us do our band in the school hall yeah. and, and we played violin for five years we got quite good at that and, and but they let us set drums up and play and the, and the headmaster was really um, quite encouraging um, and, and yeah and then I I was started Jason got into sort of more production side of it and I was starting to find my entrepreneurial roots so I was when the school we ran the school tuck shop and when the van pulled up with all the sweets in it we had a budget to go and buy sweets for school but I'd also spend some of the money that I made running the school tuck shop on buying my own stuff from the van nice. using the school discount yep. so I was getting Highland Toffee bars uh, at, uh, you know like a 50 pack of Wham bars jawbreakers a 3 pack of jawbreakers anything made, made by Leaf was yep. great did I do the devil sweets devil sweets Highland Toffee I mean the big, your big players were your, your Stinger Bar, which has got a sting in its tail. Yeah. One bar, with obviously, but at that point, one bars are massive. Yeah, they were really took wide all, as well, yeah, weren't took they? took all your fillings out. I've got 36 fillings, most of them are down to that. Highland Toffee Bars, um, say anything by Leaf, big, big jawbreakers, then your three pack of jawbreakers. Did they do the dinosaur egg in the box? Um, I don't know, might not, I'm not sure. Right. I'm not, not at that point. So I was buying all that, and because I played violin, I'd throw all that into my violin case. Like a gangster. Yeah, so and then good. sell it on the black market outside yeah. school for cheaper than the tuck shop. So I'd say to kids in the tuck shop window, you want three one bars, you see me after school, mate, I'll throw in a fourth. Like, it's buy three, get one free with me. Yeah. So, I was, and then we got caught, and um, and we got put in front of the deputy headmaster, Mr. Bateson, who you have this thing called a machine gun, he'd do that into your top. Yeah. Like, really hurt. And we were good kids, really good. We, we at that school, we were really try hard. Just yeah. to clarify, yeah. um, Adam was using his finger to poke. Yes, and yeah. machine gun weren't. There was nothing more nothing sinister. Yeah. <laughs> and I think you know, yeah, you got to be very careful. <laughs> Leeds teachers at that time, but the, um, yeah, because our previous headmaster in that primary school did go to prison for for. Uh, oh really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He used to line us all up before uh, football and inspectors all. 
and we thought nothing of it. That's <laughs> yeah. fucking dark. And then the next, the next, um, the next term, we all came into school for the first assembly, and there's two policemen in the assembly saying that Mr. Carney had been arrested in a public toilet in Brighton. <laughs> Has anyone got any stories to tell? <laughs> I said, <like>, well. <laughs> No, not really, but we all got quizzed individually about it. No. I remember my mum wrote, uh, wrote in to say, um, I remember somehow, because of the letter she wrote, ended up becoming on the school governor's panel. I don't know what, which is, uh, I don't know, I don't know how that came about, but that was around the same time. Mum ended up becoming a school governor because I think they wanted to make sure those sort of parents get involved yeah. because we've got to keep an eye on our kids. Yeah, of course. But yeah, that was a different school. But uh, Greenland Middle School, everything was fine. I mean, um, it's out of the party now. Bus Clive, things were fine at Greenland School, <laughs> just the school before. And um, but yeah, he, so he got cold up in front of the headmaster, and we thought we were going to get absolutely bollocks. And he went, "You're showing some very good entrepreneurial skills here." Really? Uh, yeah. I mean, just make sure you don't rip the school off. Yeah. And obviously, what you're doing is, you know, there's nothing illegal about it. But um, yeah, I like style. <laughs> that really okay? Oh, but you're not doing the touch up anymore. You've blown it. Right. Yeah. So that was that. So, but when I think about that school, when I think about school memories, it's always that school. And they had these wicked school discos because for some, for some reason, you walked into school hall for assembly and it looked like a school hall for assembly. Right. But when it transformed the school disco, yeah. it was like walking into a sound checker of a gig for me still. Right. Where you walk in and there's an empty hall and then yeah. suddenly lights come on and PA yeah. and people go, one, two, one, two. Yeah. And everything changes. And they had these like park hands in the roof that they never used. And then they use them for school discos. And they yeah. were, it turns out I had really good lights for the sort of 70s Britain. Yeah. And, um, and I just remember our school discos being amazing. Everyone wore Leeds kits. Like, that's, you, had no, you had your school uniform or a Leeds top. Yeah. So when you, when you could come to school in no uniform day, yeah. you'd like, put the Leeds top on. Yeah. Same with school discos. Yeah. And, I, and I remember my mate, um, Gary Birdsall, who at that point decided to call himself Bop. I don't know why. And everyone, yeah. had, everyone had to follow suit. He did a knee slide. In like these cur- the curtains that were like, there's no doors to it, it's, school's all open plan. He slid through these curtains and all the lights were on. I thought, fuck, Gary looks cool. Look at that. And his, his knee slid in and went, and so the bit where it went, um, come on, boy, come on, into yeah. them. And you feel there's no passion. He, like, he sort of knee slid into the mid eight of Beast Render. And he's like, what am I? I'm like, how good does his song sound? <laughs> how is his birdsell looking? Or Bob, whoever he wants to call himself. This is a proper moment. The yeah. school hall doesn't look like a school hall anymore. It looks like a yeah. gig. This is ace. I mean, think about it, baggy trousers. And then also at Town Call Malice, we had to deconstruct Town Call Malice and talk about Thatcher's Britain uh, in English. So our, t- our teacher in English was... Wow, really? Was, yeah, it's brilliant. And we're in the school choir and she did the school choir as well. So we brought in, I brought in Town Call Malice and she made us deconstruct it and talk about what all the lyrics meant. Uh, and because of the minor strikes and yeah. Thatcher's Britain and all that stuff. It's yeah. really quite cool at 11. Yeah, that's amazing. And, um, it's a really good school. And they, it, it's massive, massive onus on music. Music yeah. was massive there. So they encouraged our band, or the rugby team, which we were in, had to sing in the choir. Because yeah. they had a Welsh rugby teacher and they wanted to do that, like they do in Wales. Yeah. And that was ace. And um, so everyone loved that. And no one took the mickey out of it. People did it with yeah. passion. Uh, and, uh, and you're in like 11, so you haven't sort yeah. of found any cynicism yet. Yeah, of course. And then the jam, just madness was massive. Um, I remember everyone was coming to school with, in, with madness ties on, like, you know, uh, pencil ties yeah. uh, with a madness logo. And I remember there was a school assembly where our headmaster told, just told everybody off for that. I was like, look, madness should be paying you. You're advertising madness. And then they were selling these green old um, jumpers yeah. in the summer holidays with green on the front. So Jason just stood up in front of the headmaster and went, what about the green old jumpers you're making us buy? What about green old jumpers you're making us buy? That's advertising. That's... So I said, damn, mate. And then that turned into our big for our boots year where we just got really cocky and yeah. no one could believe how cocky and arrogant we got for a year. Yeah. And that was sort of the start of that. Why do you think that was? Because the two of us, yeah, just yeah. Thought, we just thought we'd just be clever and cocky without yeah. knowing it. I remember, I remember mum and dad coming back from parents' evening going, that was terrible. And I remember the day before parents' evening, Mr. Johnson, the rugby teacher, saying, just you wait till tomorrow. I was like, why? What's going on? It's parents' evening. I don't know. Oh, fine. But yeah, and then the was list. Was naughty or just cocky? No, just cocky. They listed all the stuff that they thought was making us arrogant. Yeah. We knew everything. We tried to do our homework in class yeah. to hand it in before everybody else. Yeah. And, and you know, kind of. I don't know, show off. Yeah. Just showing off, really. So that was, yeah, sort of big for our boots here. And I remember trying to, being told to calm it down a bit. Hello. I've interrupted the podcast again, haven't I? Sorry, it won't take a sec. All I want to say is, the songs that we're talking about in this podcast, 
if we can't play them, it's just because of the regulations regarding playing licensed music and such. So if you want to hear the songs, just go over to Spotify and search off. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Beat and Track podcast. And you can listen to all the songs because I've put playlists up for each of these. If you can't find it on there... I'll send links on all the social media accompanying each episode. So you've just got to press that one button and you can go through and you can enjoy all the songs that our guest picks. Anyway, I'll shut up, get back to the podcast. See you on the other side. Um, but yeah, we, were, we, were, we weren't naughty in any way. Yeah. Apart from just, you know, doing stuff on the black market. That violin case. Yeah. And, uh, and all that stuff. But yeah, oh, yeah, the jam was massive and, and it was like definitely our favourite band. It was my first gig. I ever went to. So, oh, wow. Yeah, they, they played at Leeds Queen's Hall. Towards uh, the end of the jam, I imagine. It was, was. the Trans Global Unity Express Tour. Okay. Uh, oh, no, Bitterest Pill. It was a right. Bitterest Pill Tour. That was a single. Because that was the... The Gift. Was that the last single, Bitterest Pill? Yeah. Or no, was Beat Surrender the last single? I can't remember. I it was one of them, too. It was definitely yeah, the last it single. It was on The Gift, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, I think it was The Gift. Yeah. And... um. So we, we were obsessed with the jam, but loads of people were. It was just, just pop music. Yeah. So I've been into Ariana Grande now. Yeah. It wasn't anything remotely yeah. um, challenging about it. It's just, it's just pop music. Mm-hmm. Pop music's got lyrics about Britain. Yeah. And um, inclusiveness and all that, all those cool messages that he didn't really understand at that point. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it was. I remember seeing the advert for it because I just all I'd go, I'd go home and draw Paul Weller. I'll go and draw the Jam logo. Obsessed with art and graphics, yeah. just drawing the Jam logo all the time, and making Jam T-shirts and stuff. And then we saw an advert for them playing at the Leeds Queen's Hall, um, and then Mum and Dad told us that we had to earn um, um, enough money to buy the tickets for five pound or something, three pound fifty or whatever. So we went around and washed all our neighbours' cars and cut people's lawns and worked. Like worked all summer doing yeah. that, and then of course when we went down to HMV or whatever to buy tickets, they'd all sold out. But Mum and Dad bought us one on the first day when they got released, and they kept them back and made us work for them without telling us. And that was it. It was life changing. Going to see yeah. my first gig, and knowing the value of money as well. Yeah, no, yeah, and, and you know, work for it, and and, um, and know that you got to work towards it. And then they drove us down to the gig and dropped us off. And we were eleven, and we went in with our cousin that they bought a ticket for. He was seventeen. And uh, in the queue outside, just watching people sell fake merchandise and just thinking, this is, this is incredible. And then walk into this awful like tram shed of a venue yeah. and just see it. I mean, like, production-wise, it would have been shocking probably yeah. thinking about it now. But just seeing Paul Weller walk on stage and headbutt the mic for the first time, the mic fell into the pit. Uh, no, the second song was going underground, like l- learning all these early lessons, the yeah, value yeah. of the second song. It's all about the second song. Yeah. You know, and that, doo, 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 yeah. and, you know that, that cheer yeah. that became massive on the live album. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, was, was mind blowing. And just walking out of there thinking that this is it. This yeah. is all I want to do from now on. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. Beat Surrender and Bitterest Pill, I think 
the writing's on the wall on them. You can hear the style council influence. You, really you? Can. you can see it's, you really it's, can, it's can, a changing point you there. See he's you bored. Can, yeah, you can. Yeah. And you can see he's, he, he wants to do something a bit more soulful and, yeah. and you know, changing the direction of it a bit. Yeah, so totally. It's not quite as spiky as. No, it's them. not new wave. It's not punk, yeah. is it? Yeah, yeah, but it's amazing. It's still amazing. It's still got. It's such an incredible songwriter, as everyone knows. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. What a time to be alive! Be eleven at that point. That's music, an incredible first. Was that your first gig? Yeah, Man. first gig was the Jam. Second was FM at Norwich UEA. I <laughs> know <laughs> oh, it's Bon Jovi. Second was Bon Jovi. It switched gone when I was uh, when I was fifteen, and. Um, I, mean, I think Jason talked about village metal when you did the yep. podcast with him, and we moved from from inner, not inner city leads but suburban nice leads yeah. uh, into Suffolk, which was just countryside yeah. and village metal. Nothing else. No one had ever no one had heard of the Jam yeah. or New Order or the Stranglers. Yeah. No one like they just heard of Iron Maiden. Like the the local band that was doing well at school was called Trojan Warrior. That's you know a what I mean? Fucking what a great, name. great name. What a great name. <laughs> Everything about it. <laughs> You know, and it was, you know, and you, you can imagine what Trojan Warrior looked like. Yeah. Like, uh, and, bad um, news. Yeah, like bad news. <laughs> See, like, 15 year olds <laughs> with no budget. And, um, and everyone was in the village metal. And the first person we met at school was Mark, our guitarist and, yeah. he, and our best mate. Uh, um, was he in the village metal? Yeah. Yeah. And by the, that was Monday, by Wednesday, we got invited around to Mark's house and he played Hammer to Fall, the guitar solo. Right. And I'd never heard anyone play guitar solo before. Yeah. Because I listened to the jam and Madness and they yeah. didn't really have guitar solos. Yeah, not music, metal had guitar solos. Yeah. And then he played Eruption by, by Van Halen, double tapping on the neck, he's 15. And like whammy bar on his Kramer Beretta guitar. I was like, yeah. how the hell are you doing this? Through a PV Bandit amp. I've got to be in a band review. So we started a band the next day. And we, yeah, we had first, our first band called Grand Designs. And we've been in a band ever since with Mark. Wow. Yeah, that was it. And we sort of tried to get Mark into... We've, we've always had a sort of slightly left field side away from mainstream rock. Yeah. The Mark's always fought, then, yeah. then accepted and always loved. So now Mark's the biggest Beastie Boys fan you'll ever meet. Yeah. And loves Jane's Addiction and yeah. loves the police and the jam. But it took a long time because he's into Dokken. And and, uh, and FM and uh, Bon Jovi and Rat and, and Van Halen was his life. Like yeah. Mark loved Van Halen, and and he slowly got us into all that stuff. Yeah. But we slowly got him into all our stuff. Yeah. And um, and our band was a hybrid of both. And and the thing that drew everyone together was Rush. Yeah. Some might say that is the common denominator of life. It's a DNA that runs through <laughs> us all. <laughs> yeah. All right. It's omnipresent. Well, going back a little bit uh, for track four, he's. The first record you remember buying, mate? Well, uh, I think it, it was Girls on Film. Okay. It may have been Tainted Love. Okay. And I can't, I can't, I don't know how far apart those releases were. Might, I might have to Google and get them to figure it out. I, I think Tainted Love would have been before Girls on Film. Right. In fact, yeah. I haven't given that. I'm a mum boy for us. Mum, mum, daddy spies a lot of music. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm, I really remember can really recall going down to Woolworths and buying uh, and buying Girls on Film and um, and thinking Duran Duran were amazing. Yeah. Um, and that song was great. Um, it is. It is. It's yeah. a great Turns record. out it is. <laughs> yeah. What a time. Like, we think about it. What a time to be alive. My mates, we had this really cool little gang of us where we lived in, in um, a place called Greenall Drive. So away from school... Uh, and my mate Mark Stanley always wore a Dead Kennedys t-shirt uh, and my mate uh, Marcus Brockhouse who was a great goalkeeper we always used to play football together he was really into Stranglers and um, you think about it now like those, that's pop music yeah they thought it was pop music yeah and we were into the jam and everyone was into and then yeah nuts just normal kids hanging out everyone yeah. was into music and everyone was into when you look back now they're all seminal bands but, that, but yeah. I guess that's basing pop on that kind of ethic of Popular and it, and the popular yeah. music then was the that, jam yeah. was madness, was madness. And, and like and yeah and song, songs like our house which you look back now I think is one of the greatest songs ever written was just another single that they put out yeah out of the many amazing singles out that week our house is it's got the best middle eight ever yeah well I think Bradham's 
might have something to say about that. We've been there with your but, brother. Yeah, but but you're right. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. But similar to 69. I remember how we play Simply Wish the Day Away, then we'd say nothing will come between us two dreamers. Yeah, that's incredible. a fucking lyric. Oh, that's that is. amazing. Like, so amazing. Yeah. So, so, so amazing. And everything that went around, like it, the culture that surrounded Madness, it wasn't just like the way they did that Madness 7 walk, the way that. I remember the Woolworths advert at the time about. Seven and the Ragged Tiger by Duran Duran and yeah. Madness and Swap Shop and Going Live and all these TV shows. It's just full of great music. Yeah. And Bad Manners would be on it. And yeah. It's nuts. Yeah. And Motorhead yeah. and... And seeing Motorhead and Madness on the young ones. Yeah, on the young like, ones. Yeah. It was just brilliant. It's incredible. Like. Yeah. And then, and then all the culture around it, you know, the, the whole mod thing and then the scarf thing and skin eggs and, and the whole fashion that went around it and all the sort of clothes shops in Leeds that, that did well out of that and that everyone went to. Because in, in Leeds it was... um. Probably the same in any sort of city. What was coming out of Leeds musically at that point, Ed? I don't know. I'm not too sure. Nothing I knew knew yeah. of. Um, yeah, I just... No, I don't, I don't know. Leeds and Manchester, I'm not too sure. New Order yeah. was definitely coming out of Manchester. I remember doing my paper round and listening to yeah. Blue Monday coming out of people's houses yeah. when I was doing Smith's my paper round. Smith's would have been happening then. Smith's, yeah. But I'm not sure about Leeds. Yeah. Um, but it's just crazy. I mean, you just don't realise it at the time. Probably the same for our kids now. Yeah. Like, you know, we're in a golden age of pop again now, probably. Hip-hop's so big and... But, yeah. do, do you know what, right? I, and this is the, the territory I always seem to get myself in where I end up just sounding like an old bastard. <laughs> I can do but, that a lot. But I don't think there's the strength of identity in mu- like youth culture, music culture, that yeah. there was going back. I do think it's far more blurred now, which has got its pros as yeah, well. Yeah, it's got its pros. Yeah, but there's no tribalism. That's the word. Yeah, we had we were brought up with tribalism yeah. completely, weren't we? we yeah. You're a skinhead or you're, or you're, you're a punk kid or you're a yeah. scar or you're yeah. a metaler or you're a village metaler or you're a goth. Yeah. Like, think how big goth was. Yeah. I, I, I mean, goth, you know, goth is just a generic expression now for, yeah. for certain, right? It's not about dressing up like mm-hmm. from Susie and the Banshees. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then the whole crusty thing, which became massive as we got yeah. older. And then all the bands that came out of that, that weren't even part, slightly, slightly part of that scene that then became pop, like Jesus Jones and bands like that that came out we of that scene. We called them Grebo bands. Grebo, sorry. Like, yeah. You yeah. know, that was like Stuffies and Car yeah. and all of that, all got thrown in with, 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 with that, you know. And, and, it doesn't yeah. seem to happen anymore, does it? That's the one thing that's missing, I think. Yeah. The, the, no, no one's really sort of tribal anymore. And I wonder if, like, like being a student was a really anarchic, quite left-wing thing to do. Yeah. But now everyone's a student. Yeah. Like, you know, you... Like your mum and dad would say to you, you got to, if you're going to break your band, go play at university circuit. Yeah. It's where all kids are, university. Yeah. Everyone's at university now. Like yeah, university of just, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. As Alan Partridge last week, he's on about, he goes back to his old school. That's right. He goes, to do, you know, classes on media studies. And yeah, I would say we're in a real school. <laughs> <laughs> so it's teaching real lessons. So, well, let's, let's talk about Duran Duran a little bit because you, you mentioned girls on film and. And I, I guess the music videos were starting to kind of come into their own at that point as well. Yeah. And I think that t- to mention madness as well, like, oh, you know, videos. done on a budget. Yeah. Um, great ideas. And and they're great ideas. I had betters um, from madness on here. Yeah. And I was chatting to him and, he, and I said, like, I wanted to know about how, who come up with the concepts for the videos. And he said, we all sat down and we, we, we all just threw these ideas in the pot to see what we could do. Amazing. And he was telling me about some of the ones that never got made that they, they just couldn't afford to do. Cause I it bet was, he's got some amazing stories. Oh God. Absolutely. Yeah. Incredible. Um, he walked home from Madstock. Oh, did he? <laughs> he just said, like, I thought I'd have a stroll home because I, I couldn't get back down on planet Earth. He said, like, it was so weird. I just thought, right, I'm going to have a walk home. So <laughs> put me up and had a stroll home. I just thought, God, who p- who plays a sellout gig on, like, on a massive Where comeback like Park? that? Yeah. And, and he it, lives in North London, obviously. Yeah, just strolled home. <laughs> uh, did Joe tell you, uh, our mates Alan and Jerry from Jesus Jones, we, we couldn't be at the gig because we were moving from Wembley to East Finchley. Um, and they played Simmer Excess with In Excess That's at right. Wembley Stadium. And it was an amazing lineup because Jellyfish were on the bill. Debbie Harry? Debbie Harry. I love Jellyfish. Uh, and, um, and I still think it's one of the coolest gigs I've ever seen because the drummer from In Excess, again, second song, New Sensation, all about the second song. And he starts playing it. There's an overhead shot of his kit and he hits the snare drum 
and breaks the stick or he feels the stick go. And on the same movement, he just lets it go off the snare, picks another one up in the same movement. I just tried for ages to be able to do that. I still can't do it. If I drop a stick, it's like a fuck off. Mad scramble, that drum tech looking on the floor. <laughs> Filling in with the kick drum. And um, yeah, but Jesus Jones did that gig. And they just come back from back a year and a half in America, like proper breaking America. Yeah. Like, you know, they came back. I remember someone calling them tanned and looking tanned and successful. And they really did. Mike looked super cool. Yeah. Long black hair, this polka dot shirt on. Ian was going nuts with his keyboard. And, um, and we listened to it live on the radio because we couldn't be at it. Yeah. And we were good mates at that point. Uh, and Alan was wearing, the bass player was wearing a Leeds top because he's a massive Leeds fan. Yeah. And he threw it off in the crowd or whatever and didn't have his laminate on because, you know, I'm, in, I'm on stage, I'm not wearing yeah. a laminate. So they all walk off, and I can't remember the exact story, but like Mike gets taken that way to go talk to Mark Goodyear about, you know, what was it like to play in front of 100,000 yeah. people? And they all sort of follow him, apart from Alan, who hands his bass back to his bass tech and wanders off on the other side of the stage, straight into the security guard. He goes, whoa, 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 where are you going, mate? So I'm backstage, he goes, where's your laminate? He's like, oh, I've just oh, come off stage. We just have to pull sack because someone's knocked on my front door. There you go, that's the end of part one of the Adam Perry Off The Beat and Track podcast episode. Part two is available now, so wherever you got part one from, go back there now and get part two. The easiest thing to do, go and subscribe. Then now will just pop up on your listening device. Right, enjoy part two. See you soon. Oh yeah, sorry. I've butted in yet again. I just want to quickly tell you about this magazine. It's called Pod Bible. Now, Pod Bible is the new essential guide to podcasts. It's put together alongside Spotify and Acast, and it's a one-stop shop to tell you all about the podcasts you maybe know about, but definitely about a load of the podcasts that you probably don't know about that we think you should know about. I mean, in the first edition, there's interviews with Adam Buxton, interviews with Craig Parkinson, and there's features on Jade Adams, and there's just an abundance of information about so many exciting podcasts that are out there. Also, Spotify have given us these amazing little codes. So if you do get a print copy, you can just turn on your Spotify on your phone, scan the little code, and it just automatically opens up the podcast on your listening device. How good's that? If you haven't managed to get a print copy, then just go over to www.podbiblemag.com and read it online because the digital version is all over there and it's all free so every other month there'll be a new edition out so go and have a look and support us on the social medias as well podbiblemag.com it's off the beat and track podcast on the distraction pieces network with me Stu Whipping. Hey,